right at the end, they go to a really heavy deathcore, metalcore, whatever you want to call it, breakdown, like they did in their earlier days when I saw them and I was getting sweated on. And breathe. Let's start the show. Callum, my friend, my mate. Look at this, what a beautiful day. Welcome to another episode of the show. You know what this is. You know who we are by this point. If you don't, my name's Jamie. Callum, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How yourself? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Let's do that again. <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> you did, you did. It's fine. Um, honestly, feeling great. Like, had an awesome walk with a friend this morning. Talked about everything in life from kind of therapy, eating disorders, um, mental health, things that are also very connected to songwriting, but not specific to songwriting. So I won't go in too much about those today, but then now I'm on with one of, one of my oldest, one of my oldest mates in the world talking about songwriting to a bunch of nerds online, being a nerd. So I'm very happy, dude. And that fits with the theme, doesn't it? What's the theme today, Callum? Do you want to introduce it? Today we are talking about prosody, my man. Ooh, what's that? So simply put, prosody is all about how a song's lyrics and a melody work together. See, that is beautiful because it is that simple. And today we're going to be throwing a lot of kind of weird and angular ways of thinking about it. Lots of different examples. Callum's got some absolute bombs of concrete ideas, I think, for prosody today. But could you just say again so that people make sure that they know it's simple? Music prosody is the way a composer sets the text or a vocal composition an assignment of syllables to notes in the melody to which the text is sung. But again, simply put, it's all about how a song's lyrics and melody work together. Wow, how a song's lyrics and melody work together. And again, Callum's going to be the concrete idea, as he always is, reeling me in, how a song's melody and lyrics work together. And I know I've said that three times, but I think because it's so important to think about that that is what the definition is. However, as you're going to hear today, we want you to push it, to be creative. That is the point of this show, to take that idea and be creative. I've got a bunch of examples of how you can do that in different ways. And I'm personally going to forego my song of the day because I've got seven or eight examples we're going to talk about. But Cal, did you did you have a song you wanted to throw our way today? Um, no, mate. I mean, maybe I could talk about a song, but yeah. as far as word painting goes... A good example of prosody is classic, um, would be the classic idea of singing a high note on the word high. Love that. And we'll dive into that a bit more later, I think. But a more subtle example would be a recent song I heard by Gary Barrett called Pick Me Up. And instead of singing the high note on the word high, she stresses the up by raising her vocal up. And so the idea is she's supposed to be climbing up into a truck, but also she's cleverly being picked up. So pick pick me up truck. So pick up being picked up in a pickup truck, singing higher in her range while she does it. That is the that's perfect. Because what I wanted to say is there's simple prosody and then there's multiple layers of prosody. And it is the same thing. It's like a simple way of preparing a meal. Cool, but if you know how to do that, you can prepare beautiful meals all at the same time. That kind of analogy. But that's super cool. That's super cool. Did you did you have anything else that was kind of quite concrete before I start throwing out different examples and fighting mosquitoes here in France. So Aristotle, uh, we'll just go with a quote from Aristotle. Arist- we? Dude, just- so Aristotle said that every great work of art contains the same feature, unity. Everything in the work belongs, works to support every other element. Another word for unity is prosody. It means the appropriate relationship between elements, whatever they may be. Wow. For my benefit, can you read that again, please? So another word for unity is prosody. 
which means the appropriate relationship between elements, whatever they may be. I love that. Again, I'm not making this up. Callum has kind of teased some of the ideas that he had. But to hear that in the context of what I want to say is so cool because that's what I'm trying to say. Prosody, even when Callum and I talked about it earlier in the show, you can tell we we want to be quite clear, but I think it's overcomplicated. If we talk about unity, so maybe this show would be called Prosody and Unity because unity is what I'm trying to push. Prosody is a defined concrete idea that you can get lost in intellectualism and complications whereas unity i think what cal's saying and what aristotle said so fair play if callum's saying the same thing everything working together everything being clear it's like when we make a decision in our stomach in our heart and in our head when everything feels right that's what's called intuition and it's that kind of unity that we want to talk about and my first example is is quite a simple one but i was so happy when i heard it i worked with a band called volumiere and i was doing a, doing, a, doing a songwriting session with them started with them a long time ago and we'd done a couple of sessions and i'd come to see them in person to do a little workshop and i remember they were showing me a demo of one of their new tunes and it was great because they work on everything else you know melodic contrasting dynamics all these things these guys are 16 and my favorite part though was when they literally got to the end of like a second verse and the singer went stop so he sung stop and he stopped himself and then the whole band stops at the same time. And again, call it unity. I think it's such a simple and interesting way to do songwriting and it's just a way of grabbing people. So that was my first example. And again, going back to Aristotle, everything in the work belongs. It's intentional um, and it's Ooh. supposed to evoke a reaction, right? You know, stop, stop in the name of love. Everything is intentional. I think that is ah, oh, and I've never heard that as a massive fan of philosophers and Stoics. I don't think he was a Stoic. I don't know. But to say it written like that and said like that makes everything that is so complex, like songwriting, like art, like people even, the conversations I was having this morning, despite people being so, so complex, so unique and so different, if you know people, if you know the idea of unity, that idea of balance, art suddenly all these things start to make sense even though they're very different if you understand the idea of unity and where things come from and being deliberate with everything you do as well is very hard that's why artists and creatives are quite special but that's really cool man thanks for sharing that i love that because i didn't know you'd done that oh it's a pleasure and i think to make the idea of prosody quite clear is ask yourself a question of do, does your music match your lyrical content of your song and do your melodies support what you're saying lyrically? That is great. And actually, as I thought you would, I have another one. So Gabriel, who I've been working with, wonderful guy from, from, from Canada. And we were writing. So it was, I think, second, second session. We booked two sessions. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Maybe I'll talk about him in the future. But what we were doing is looking at creating an idea. So the idea was quite melancholy. The song he was singing about was were times in his life where he was very much not happy without sharing too much of his details. But what we did was first we picked chords that felt like that. So it's like a major, minor, minor, major. Cool. First layer of unity, if you want to call it that, prosody. Then we looked at melodies. We went, okay, when you're singing a melody, how do we say that it's melancholy and hopeful in the way that we sing? And then we added that layer. And because he's a very talented guy, you know, it's quite a weird way for him to write because he normally writes all at once. But it's really nice to see the joy in him when he understood that you can create these layers, you can create this 
deliberately and then lyrically as well that third layer of prosody that third layer of unity we were able to add and just to see the way he did that was was so impressive and a number of other things that we talked about in that session maybe for another day but just seeing that unity i instantly thought right collecting notes of prosody with Callum, this is something we have to do so your chord your melody your lyrics and even his delivery and his intention those other dimensions of being a singer came across beautifully and i think that prosody was something i i really wanted to share because gabriel's great in my eyes in my eyes so shout out yeah shout out gabriel and it's so true like you know musically if you're gonna write a happy song and then you put it on over minor chords or modal chords things are probably going to be out of sync yeah and it's a trick right because it's one we kind of talk about or you and i would have used is that kind of I'm, i'm not a huge fan of happy songs and without without any kind of name dropping and stuff i've I've heard sessions and songs from people who are great but because the song is so happy like there's no real kind of drama and tension to it so that's interesting that you bring that up as well but yeah i'm definitely more like why not do one thing really well like um like i'm working with ari on his album and we're trying to think about it's the color blue different shades of blue right that's what we're going for everything is blue but it's different shades and moving towards a gray moving towards a, a cyan you know all these all the songs different keys speeds and changes but there's unity in it that's what makes a record and i want to talk about in a segment i'm going to talk about how you can think about building a record but just for today's sake I, that, that that unity Callum, is amazing and i even before this show like i promise we haven't planned this but i was like how do we talk about prosody in a more practical way you know in keeping with our show like how do we talk about it practically and Callum's brought it well aristotle through Callum, unity so that's awesome and to go on to maybe some more examples when it comes to lyrically these the most basic one you can do is singing the high note on a high um you can also sing the low uh low note on the word low you know uh, i got friends in low places yeah but it's um, so good right classic example yeah just these subtle things that you can do but even more subtly, Thomas Rhett, Crash and Burn, Tears Come Falling Down. He stresses the down and by accentuating it and going down and, and he draws the note out a bit like he's crying. And some songs make use of both of these te- techniques, you know, way up high or down low, the calling, wherever you will go. Same with Ain't No Mountain High, Ain't No Valley Low. I've, I've sung those songs endlessly over and I've never realized that element of it, right? Because we're so, this is also the point, like being in unity, everything is deliberate and real kind of geniuses renaissance men if you will women when they're writing like everything will be deliberate but if you happen upon it and it works that's great follow that but we're trying to say i think what callum's saying as well is like be aware of the impact that you can have it's kind of like the the difference between manipulating someone and influencing them positively in their life it's the same skill set it's just how you do it so you can take away from your song by pulling away from unity. Like we said, deliberately pulling away from unity is a way of doing it. Happy versus sad, sad versus happy, that kind of contrast. But I think today we're going to talk about like, can we lean into unity to understand how powerful it can be and how great it can be? Again, it's kind of like the gut and the heart agreeing before the brain has a chance to understand it. That's how great songwriting is. Like we talk about going through the subconscious, go through the back of the brain. It's another way of achieving this is, is through prosody, through through unity and unity is a great great word and i'm really glad you've brought that out of that as um that's what you've really pulled obviously from the aristotle quote because it's it, it is sort of the key word um and it's not just in songwriting um 
you know, it's any work of art. You know, you want all, all parts working together to achieve some larger goal. You know, you want the car chase, the suave heroine, and the cheesy catchphrase to add up to a James Bond movie. The, the deliberate thing is also what we're saying, right? It's like, be very deliberate. See if you can, you know, how much unity can you layer in? I was joking with a client the other day, Emily, actually, like from the meal that you choose to eat that day and how that's going to affect you before you go into your writing session, that kind of thing. Like, what tea are you going to put together? You know, is it something that you gets you going or brings you down? And that is another level of unity. And I think, as Grace said beautifully, you know, life is a part of songwriting. That's kind of the biggest thing I teach people when I work together. Yes, there's this thing that Callum and I talk about how to technically write songs, but like actually is how does songwriting fit in your life and how does it suit what you want out of songwriting? Because not everyone wants to do professionally or not. It doesn't matter. It's like if you sing, you sing. If you run, you run. If you write, you're a songwriter. That's what we want and just to give people the skills. And I think in keeping with something that's not strictly prosody, but I think sits well in unity, uh, themes in lyrics. We talked about this a lot. Is I find that through the process of songwriting, it's always really good at the end First of all, to know, so I said at the end, but I mean, it kind of is it's cyclic in a way. When you start an idea, know exactly what you're writing about. It's a real life story. It helps you to make a lot of choices through the songwriting process. But also at the end, trying to pick out any themes that we've created. How can we create unity by making choices that having like, like I said, with nautical themes or earth themes, if you have a choice of a million or 500 words and synonyms on rhyme zone, pick the ones that suit best your story but also your brand but also your image but also the song or the metaphor that you've created and I think that's why stressing really early on not even just in the songwriting process but when I work with young artists like if you really know who you want to be your branding your artistry who you are as a person telling your story it'll not only make small choices like synonyms easier but like what record are you going to write what color is it going to be what shows you're going to wear um, you know, what dress are you going to wear at the award show? It's like I was talking to someone recently about that. And you think these people who are 17 years old, they have got it figured out and maybe they don't know. So this episode is also about like giving you the tools to use prosody and unity deliberately if you're doing it accidentally, which is kind of what I'm trying to say. Well, prosody or unity, I mean, it's going to affect how well your song's understood, how enjoyable your song's to listen to. And it can be the deciding factor between someone skipping your song or even you on a songwriter altogether so it's a great point because again you've brought it into the practical world of for example even if you only have a minute to hear a song right that's the world we're also in two or eight seconds i wouldn't recommend only writing eight second songs but that's the level of that we're pushing so which part of it are you going to promote which part are people going to listen to because what i'm trying to say is if you only have a minute or three minutes before someone skips your song inevitably even if they love it can you hit them with everything possible in terms of like, without overloading them like we talk about, but, you know, beautiful unity, beautiful connection. Because if you look at everything we talk about on this show, it's not about how to make money. It's not about how to be a professional songwriter. It's actually how to write music that you really care about, that other people will care about. And that's a segment I'm going to expand upon as well. But yeah, I, th I think that's great. And I have about four more examples, so I don't want to overload you, Cal. Is there something you wanted to kind of add to that or move on to? I think something else that's really important would be, and it might help you with your examples too, it would be um, in English, at least, word have stresses. And so, so some syllables are said with more weight than others. 
And it's your job as a songwriter to make sure the stresses in your lyrics match with the stresses in your song's melody. So as Mike Myers says, don't put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. And that's very funny, by the way, so people remember it, but I work with people from different parts of the world that speak better English than me. So it's not my criticism, but it's understanding and helping to understand that they might say a word like this and you go, oh, it's actually a word like this. And they go, what, a word like this? No, it's a word like this. And it's not an issue, but I feel that even if you listen to the most beautiful voice, the most beautiful production, everything, if someone from Italy or, or Germany, for example, says something, even if even though the accent is fine, keep your accent, but you have to get the stressing right. So I'm really glad that Callum said that because they can love your song, everything you put, complete unity from the song through to your production, to the dressing, all of these things. But if you make, you misstress in a native tongue to native people, suddenly you fall off the tightrope. The magic is broken and it's harsh. It shouldn't be like that because English people are super lazy. It's not our fault. It's our fault. The world speaks our language, but we shouldn't be lazy because of that. As someone who's had to go and learn another language, it's really hard. So, but again, that, that maybe is a bit departed from practicality, but I love that because stressing things and to me, it's just another layer of, of how you can create unity. Maybe I'll do a separate segment and literally every possible way I can think of, we can think of to create unity. Stressing is another one. Syllable, rhythm, stressing, so many, it's great. And musically, I mean, do you want to give your examples, Jamie? I don't want to. It's cool, man. I mean, I've, I've got a lot. So if it's cool, I'm just going to take a quick chunk and try and unify them. There we go. So I've got two, and again, Callum and I have talked about this. You might hear from the way I'm speaking. I took a trip to the UK to play a show, to do loads of sessions, to I have so many things that clicked for me in, in a great way and also in a strange way. There's so many things I want to start bringing to the show, want to start talking about. So you're going to see more segments, more episodes. One of them will be, I think, if Callum's cool with it, we'll talk about it, but talking about the Loyal Kana record, because that came out, it's coming out in singles at the moment. And that resonates for me in different areas of my life. But for this, for Unity, I wanted to include it because there's one song called Ain't Nothing Changed, which one is, is one of his older songs. And if you know Toby Tripp, who are one of our first guests, I think he's worked with Loyal and I spoke to mm-hmm. Toby recently. So I think seeing a guy that we've been lucky enough to have on the show doing such amazing things and being in that way is awesome. So thanks to Toby, but also a song called Ain't Nothing Changed and literally... The song is beautiful. The unity of his lyrics. Please go and check it out. Ain't nothing changed by Lord Kana. But literally the chorus, despite him being extremely eloquent, especially with stressing rhyme, rhythm, everything about spoken word, the chorus is literally ain't nothing changed over and over again because ain't nothing changed. Bringing it back to that idea of unity. And then another one is a song called Georgetown, which is from the new record where he's talking about, he's talking about racism, but particularly, again, the reason I'm absolutely in love with the record is people who are mixed race who don't have an extreme to sit on. They are not accepted here nor there. And it sounds like a strange thing, but we all just want to belong, right? And I think he said it beautifully. There's a song called Hate. There's, um, check out the second one. And then there's Georgetown. And my idea here was the unity of using John Agar, I think he's called. It's terrible. So the other song is called Georgetown. And the, the idea of unity that I had for this one was using a John Agar poem. But what's amazing, he's known for a poem, a performance piece, that's why I'm not really sure to call it a poem, called Half Cast, which talks about the idea of being black nor being white, 
And actually you're only half cast, you're only half human, you only have half an ear, these things. And what he's done is he's, because of how big Loyal Kana is, he's managed to get John Agard to do a spoken word piece, part of the song as the intro, as part of the video. You really need to see the Georgetown video. And then they're also bringing in particular beats, particular words. They've even called it Georgetown from where John Agard is from. I'm not sure where Loyal Kana's family originate from. Just this idea of having someone who's so well-known, a trailblazer in a particular thing, and then him rapping about exactly the same thing, but his own story. Again, that links to shared human experience would be another segment. But making use of poetry and spoken word performance to add to your song before the song even starts, that's another level of unity, I think. Yeah, and so so as does, again, going back to the musical side of things, you know, singing about the chords and the music, using melody notes... Um, the same chords under, like whether you, whether your song's in a major or a minor and whether it's happy or sad, what notes you choose to use or chords you choose to use is very important there. You know, the Jackson 5 ABC, the melody notes ABC, they literally sing the chords really? ABC or they playing the chords ABC <laughs> under that. Is that what it is? Yeah. Maybe I can a, learn a, B, pitch, a flat, B flat minor, A flat over C, I think. And wow. same with Natasha Bedingfield, these words, the combination D, E, F, um, that's the lyric. And then the chords uh, underneath are D minor, C over E, F. Dude, talk about unity for these words, mm. Natasha Bedingfield, writing a song that became a number one song about not being able to write songs and having yeah. the pressure of having to write a number one and literally talking about all the things you go through and to have that blow up. I heard it in a store out here in France and I was just like, this is got to be one of the best songs in terms of unity out there i think regardless of whether you like the song or not Great same with writers same with writers block as well but it's, it's just like when it's so funny whenever i'm working with people when we're working like in a particular way the way i like to do is kind of on google docs and there's a lot of kind of writing and looking and so often people are like they'll stop and i go what is it I'm trying to get them push them to do something they go, oh, i don't know what to write about you give them three seconds and they go, because I'm da 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 and they start speaking and they go, right, you need to write that down, don't you? And they're like, yes, I need to write that down. It's that idea of even the absence of an experience is an experience. This is why we like, how do you really draw from what you are feeling? Not what you think people want you to say, because you, you've lost the point there, like John Mayer says, but um, that's awesome. And speaking of music, like Hannah Darvas, who, Darvas, I've never really said it out loud. I've only ever seen it on WhatsApp, so... Call me out on that, Hannah. We were doing a session as a client where I first met her and she was new to writing songs, she say herself. So what she was doing was taking melodies from the guitar loop. But not only was that a clever way to learn about melody, but it ended up with a unity of the vocal and the, and the guitar melody. And I think that was awesome for her. And then we had a recent session in Putney in her flat which is cool, and then went to see her office, so hearing more about her as well. She used the word lonely in a lyric, like, cool, but then she left a gap on a minor feel in a gap in the beat, lonely. So she said lonely, felt lonely, performed lonely, left a gap. It's like the stop thing. I just think it's clever. So I've got two more examples at the end, but anything else you want to throw out there, man, do it. Yeah, well, like, similar to the lonely one, there are production techniques you can use too, you know, like, one of the most, one of the really obvious ones is Kesha TikTok, and they do the little yeah. production technique on Tipsy. You know, trying to get a little bit tipsy. And you Simple look at it, things, yeah. and same with Shania Twain. Um, is it uh, "Man, I Feel Like a Woman"? 
and um it's fun 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 i think they repeat that a bit but they do a little production technique on that um let me just check that it's insane and, and even just while you're checking that like uh light switch charlie puth you turn yeah, the me little... on like a light switch then you move me you just go wow like i mean he i think it's tough to be objective and he actually him. there's a great little um i think the song was pretty much based around that wasn't it because he there's a an, a YouTube meme about, or a YouTube video that he does. He does all these YouTube videos of him in he's the amazing. studio and stuff. And he actually, literally, he's got this beat or something playing, and he, he does the light switch, and then he's like, it's like the eureka moment occurs to him. He's like, oh my god! And then the camera goes off, and that that can be what a song gets based around, almost, doesn't it? Talk about a genius! Tell me, I oh, think like a light switch. It's really hard to look past um, Charlie Puth in terms of not just PR, songwriting, content course piano production everything but that's the point the unity of that you see i did there i did that the unity of all of charlie puth's skills make him a genius i think despite what you think of him or his music i think it's a great point and light switches it's genius but it's also very simple that's what we're trying to say like callum said right at the start it's very simple if you want it to be and it can be very complex if you really want to push people to it but this is a skill i think for all songwriters like i said if it's your first song or, or it's your 50th all of these things we talk about, I use them all the time, all the time. And when I teach people to write songs from the start, of course, there's only so much you can really get at the start, but you put it in really early, give it to people that are smart and they'll use it. That's what I found. So this is what we trust you guys to go and do. Use it practically. This show is about being practical, songwriting philosophy, philosophy, is doing it, not just knowing it. That's the difference in my head. One example I'm kind of going to do really quickly because I've used it before, but I want to bring it back. So there's a song called Heavy Metal by Bring Me The Horizon. And the song is reasonably poppy, reasonably catchy, reasonably hooky, um, with some beautiful electronic elements. And the song is written about how A&Rs wearing Patagonia t-shirts, essentially he's taking the piss saying they don't know what they're talking about, coming in and saying this is not heavy metal, therefore it's not good, therefore dot, dot, dot. And what they've done, again, a huge element of unity, is to write a song about that, first of all, mocking people saying that heavy metal people think that we're crap light people the like pop think that we're crap and then right at the end having written again this is this is the intelligence they've written a song that's reasonably like commercial poppy electronic right at the end they go to a really heavy deathcore metalcore whatever you want to call it breakdown like they did in their earlier days when i saw them and i was getting sweated on that's the stuff so them being so aware that they can use that awareness against the people that want to try and catch them out i think again regardless of what you think of ollie sykes like genius for me in, in a lot of ways and i have one example right at the end which is like what do the people think what does Callum think but is there anything you want to what else do you want to add for this for people i think practically remember the three r's of songwriting which are See what I did reworking there? uh so the three r's are reworking revising and rewriting Ooh, that's got to be tool of the day right You've just done tool of the day there. I think maybe we have, yeah. Unless you you've got you did, something mate. better. No, you did. But be willing to throw anything out if it doesn't support the song. You know, edit out unnecessary details and check for good prosody. So where can you find these places to put in again, unity? Where is the song not meeting these these moments? And and if there is a note again, if just if you've got a lyric that's high or a lyric that's low or up or down or these, these look for the most simple ones first. And the more you do it, I, the better you'll get to the point where you get to, you know, somewhere by like my favorite one, Michael Jackson, man in the mirror where the key changes 
on the word change. Change. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it may feel like we're telling you the obvious, but I really don't think that we are. If you understand the complexity that you can take this to. And those three R's are the whole point of this show. Yes, you can wait once a year to write a perfect song that falls out of your face. Awesome. But if you really want to either do this professionally or you want to just do it personally, but do it at a higher level, it's totally up to you. But these are the tools you want to get hold of. Rewriting, like I said, going back at the end and creating a theme. So I deliberately write in a way that's quite malleable. Because you need to be able to change things up until the point you get rid of it. You abandon it, as David Bowie says, which I truly think is the way. You're never 100% happy with a song or anything in life. Trying to get those perfections, extremes, is it's not good for you. So we're trying to get you as close as we can with as many tools as possible, which will continue. Um, this show is growing with the more people that speak to us and the more things we do, this show molds to that. So reach out if you want to be a part of it. And we actually have a question for the end of the show today, but... Before we go there, because it's not related to this, but it's a brilliant question from Emily, of course, legend. A question. Marvin's, do you want to we'll go? Do you want to discuss the question before we go into it? You said you oh, wanted to. What pause. I'm going to say is, um, just do the last example of prosody. Oh, then... sorry, mate. No, it's cool. It's cool. We should leave that in because I, I think people want to know the process. The unity of the podcast. So that takes the the, the last thing, which I've kind of given it away with the Georgetown um, John Agard thing, but. I wanted to throw this out to you guys. The song Marvin's Room by Drake. Using a voicemail from, I believe, an ex-girlfriend of his. Telling him essentially that he shouldn't be calling. He's getting in the way of her current relationship, dot, dot, dot. This song then goes on to be a huge legal case. A huge song of his Take Care record. And I guess my question is to you guys. You can answer this yourselves. There's no right or wrong answer. First of all, is this unity using a sample from someone's real life and then creating a song around that that you probably feel as well? It's the kind of like Charlie Puth idea. But the difference to the second question is, is it ethical? Is that right to do? Is it fair to include people that you've not asked to be in the songs? And I think you can tell from the way I'm speaking about it and even the way that Callum's looking, we would not endorse that on this show. So I think <laughs> that's the extreme, but just understand, I'm not saying you need to do that, but just understand, are there ways that you can create that ethically? Can you add in voice notes? Like when I'm working, Charlie Puth is the greatest and the first to do it publicly. Of course, there's people always doing it, but he's the one to really have taken hold of like CSD. I know Jack Antonoff, creator sound design, that is Jack Antonoff's a big one of just recording buses that go past and putting them on Taylor Swift records. Can you really push the boundary without compromising anyone or anything, any trust, legal issues? Don't do a Drake. But that's what I guess I'm saying. Extremes are bad, but really pushing to the limit is how you're going to do something interesting, do something different. Um, so creating your own voice notes that there's only so much you can do within the confines of like music, notes, production even. I mean, production elements are amazing, but as soon as you add in like the John Agard example, like Marvin's Room, like Heavy Metal, like voice notes in songs, what else can you put in that space that you can stand out, that can be different, but is also unifying it and serving your song? So that's what I'm going to kind of leave, pardon me, going to leave people with today before we take a quick chop. That's a ruined word. Before we take a quick break and we'll answer that question. And if you're a country music fan, 
like myself we and Jamie. This this stuff is everywhere. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's just the best all over reviews. the place. Everything like Callum and I, we've realized but, that. Oh, go on, mate, go. I mean, it's it's everywhere in all genres. You know, it doesn't. It's not just country music. It's like you know, we, we've listed so many examples today from so many different genres, but. I, I just know that have been being listening to so much country. I, you know, you hear this all the time and it's everywhere. I, I was talking to, so Liv Dawson was in the studio and we were talking about country music. She, she is a wonderful, soulful pop modern singer. You check out her stuff. She's amazing. But we were bonding about country music, like talking about Carrie Underwood. And when I listened to her for the first time and being brought into the whole and like Morgan Wallen records, Sam Hunt, these people where you just go like, wow, as I said, <laughs> we could talk for years and we see, we really appreciate a lot of you guys in America are kind of tuning in and we've heard from a couple. Yeah. We'd love to hear from more. We know we're weird English people, but, um, well, actually we're not, we've got, we've got, we've got a, uh, got a guy from New Zealand. Island. Oh yeah. We'd love to hear more from people all over the world. We've got a couple of people, Australia, Oceania, as they, as they divide it. Yes, I really think this is this is totally applicable. Forget our accents, forget where you think we are. Like songwriting is songwriting. Listen to country music for the for the concentrate, but then apply it, as we always say, like practically apply it to how you want to do things, to your own experiences. And I promise you, if you write songs that you really care about, that are really well thought out, like Callum saying, you do the three R's, you come back to it, you work hard, but not to excess. You're going to write amazing things and. Even as we show, like Volumia was an example. I remember talking to those guys and started working when they were they were hadn't been been to uni yet. You know, young guys in bands. I said, "Do you boys celebrate, even if it's small, like a high five, a pack of crisps, a coffee? Do you celebrate when you crisps. finish this song?" <laughs> That's I love the thing. That. I remember um, uh, Elise Mason as well. She was at the studio, and what she's able to to achieve, I think, having met her, is is staggering. Like she's one of those like one of those people, but we had a milestone that maybe I'll talk about another day. What we did was like, we jerked like, right, I'll make your bed. Let's chin some spring rolls to that because no matter what happens after this point, you've got to this and you work so hard and you have to celebrate the fact you've finished a song that you love before you put it into the world, before people throw their opinions on it. So that's a bit more philosophical for today, but again, practical. This is the show, Pro City Unity, Callum and I, we say goodbye for this section be back in just a second. So you just had a, a micro break from that Unity episode. And again, loved having Callum back on this. It's been a while since we've been able to catch up and do stuff together. So I'm loving it. But even more happily, I guess, I want to offer something from Emily Tallman, who's a, an amazing, she's becoming a friend, started as a client, but as it always goes, if it goes well, things become friendships very often. And what she did when we were you know, in between sessions, I'll always kind of keep things open. People have questions or thoughts when we're working together, because I think that's quite an important part of the process to step away and have thoughts. But we're going to listen to audio from her, literally as she sent it, because she's brilliant. This is a question from Emily, and then we're going to answer it for you guys right now. Hi, Jamie. I have a random question for you. So I did a workshop last week uh, that was on Zoom that was all about writing for sync by someone who writes and produces for sync. Uh, and something that he said was to avoid things being too lyrical or wordy at all and to focus more on instrumentally driven music. And I see that, but I also see really amazing placements 
Do you know what I mean? Like running up that hill, I feel like has pretty strong songwriting in it. Um, that's just one example. But you know, there's. I feel like there's always a lot of exceptions to that rule. And I was wondering what your take on it was because I'm definitely interested in getting some sync placements with some of my songs eventually. First of all, always, always thank you for the question. I know we work together. I know that this is just the way you are. You're inquisitive. But as I explained to Emily in our last session, like her questions, being brave enough to ask a question even though I think she knows the answer, as you can hear, it's like that effect in the classroom where like the teacher says something and half of the class do not understand. But it's, they're all waiting for that one person to put their hand up and ask the question. So that's why these things are great. I answered it in person. I answered it over WhatsApp. So Emily's cool. She's cracking on with things. But I wanted to bring the three examples that I surfaced when we were talking about it, as we discussed it. And then as ever, Callum will tell me if I'm talking shit or add some knowledge, add some wisdom. But the way- Are you always talking shit, mate? Oh, that's true, isn't it? I am always talking shit. Someone said that recently, and I I take it as a compliment. I take it as a compliment. (laughs) 50-50, I'll take that. Um, The the three things- That's why I love you. Look at that. Proclamations of love on a podcast. Who says the internet can't bring love? Um, the, the The three examples I came up with, because she cited one of them. So the song- Running Up That Hill, Kate Bush, was written in 1985, what I remember. We looked that up together, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not obsessed. And the reason I said that is because we don't know the nature of that deal. So her question was, how does songwriting essentially, how does our songwriting affect the ability to get a sync placement? So I said, right, that's actually a business question, it's a life question and it's a songwriting question. So let's try and do all three. First example. 1985, Kate Bush releases Running Up the Hill. It's massive. It's a huge song. It's a cultural moment. And then when Netflix start releasing series five or something of Stranger Things, same with the Metallica song, they picked songs from the era that they're trying to recreate, like the Goldbergs, that, that unity, that prosody, like we're saying today. But we don't know whether that she paid to get it on there or they paid her or they just did a co-sign agreement saying, let's split the profits. Let, we don't know. Sync deals have certain structures we have to go into another day. I said to Emily, we cannot know. And also, therefore, on the songwriting side, we can't really use it as an example because running up that hill, was was anyone running up hills in Stranger Things? I'm not 100% sure. But the emotion of it, the time, the cultural moment was what was relevant. And that song was fucking everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. It was in the supermarket here in France in the middle of the countryside. Like That's the effect that a big sync placement can have. So that was the first issue. And then I took... Because I like to think in thirds, like a middle example. I think she talked about Rosalia and Billie Eilish having done a song for a series. And I went, again, in terms of the songwriting, incredible. The production, incredible. The reason they got those opportunities was because they are that good. But let's be honest, that wasn't an open casting call on Instagram for that song. If Rosalia and Billie Eilish have put together something for a series. Not the same as some of my friends who have the skills already, but have had to audition, had to submit had to work really hard to get their opportunity. So Rosalie and Billie Eilish, that's the middle one. And again, I'm not really talking about the songwriting yet because at that point, you're that good, you're that big, you have that many connections that you've created and worked hard for. The songwriting doesn't affect it as much as we would like to think. Like Emily and I talk about it's 50% preparation, 50% opportunities. And the final example, before I take a breath, might not take a breath, is Emily or... Ariadne, who's writing for Sync, another client of mine, we figured out recently what she really wants to do is get Sync placements. Same with Emily. So I said, okay, let's take her possible EP, possible record we're putting together. 
How do you write that for sync? That was what people really want to know. And if you're listening, same with is like what color is your record? What theme, what unity can you bring? Because even the argument of like two specific lyrics won't get sync placements. Yes, they will. We had a song, isn't, it's not placed on sync. It'd be great. But it's a song that's very specific about, well, I've talked about my anxiety, talked about my eating disorder, my anxiety as a man as well, even not being heard, not being heard, that kind of, people are accepting that. And that won't get sync placements on generic things, but that'll get you niche sync placements. So even being specific will get you specific results. That's one thing. Being too broad will either get you a lot of results or none. So I don't think it's that case of like the extremes. As I said to Emily, what color is your album? What color is your EP? She's writing about the 50s up to now. So what color are the 50s? What does that sound like production-wise? What does that sound like lyrically? What does that sound like in all areas we talked about today, like Callum brought up beautifully? What can you do? Aristotle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep crediting Callum, even though Aristotle figured it out like two and a half thousand years ago. Um, deliberately, every deliberate thing you do is going to give you the best chance for sync. So you need to think about where you want to go. It's the same question. But equally, you have to have incredible writing, incredible production, incredible mixing, incredible mastering, the whole process, vocal performance. Because these music, as Molly Ann Lakin, she was amazing, by the way. I think Molly Ann Lakin's absolutely hilarious. She talked about music supervisors being a really, really important part of the industry, but also a viable income for people. So if you want to write for sync, awesome. And the final thing I'll say on top of that, so I probably want to break this down again on another show, um, so thank you for the question, Emily. Like I said, her questions are so dense, so useful. Um, they're worth breaking down. The last thing is essentially sync companies, music supervisors are not looking for just pitch songwriters. They're often looking for artists who are going to write thematic EPs, thematic things. So it comes back to the same thing. Do your thing really well. Be a great artist, even if you don't want to release and play shows and do stadiums. Be an amazing artist work really hard on that, the three R's, all the stuff we talk about. From there, you give yourself the best chance of sync placements. So hopefully that's not too fast, but it's not too brief. So you guys can kind of take out of that what you will. Up to I you think that was great. Thanks, dude. I think. Apart um, from you falling asleep. No, I'm kidding. He didn't. He always listens well. Yeah, what would you say? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> um, no, I think, yeah, you, you've heard everything you needed to on the head, man. And I don't, know how much I'm going to be able to contribute to this, but sync, you know, when it comes to sync companies and especially major record labels, they have huge departments dedicated (laughs) solely to pitching, pitching their artists as well. Yeah. Um, They're people, right? Mm. Yeah. They have head of syncs. They have sync managers. They have then interns as well. Um, All these people dedicated to sourcing these, their music, pitching their music, working for their artists and so when it kind of movies tv shows these are these are the big deals and these are fiercely competitive because these are going to get the most airs as well and then increase the streaming numbers streaming numbers i mean yeah that's awesome you brought that up actually sorry to dominate it but as i do callum's very patient with me because again you don't think you have much to offer but you definitely you've hit something squarely there even at Rainbowwood, we're thinking about how we can do this, getting an intern in to do sync, composition, cataloging. Because as you said, let's think about how many staff are at a record label. Let's call it 100. Maybe 30 or 40 will be doing sync. And then there'll be a couple for A&R, a couple for the, the things that we really try to focus on. 
the reason for that is the same as if you know business, you know that if you know advertising, if you know marketing, the marketing budget, the effect that advertising has on podcasts, the effect that advertising has on TV, the reason you can watch a TV is because someone's paying for the advertising of that show. And this is essentially what we're seeing in the music industry, like Molly Ann Lakin was talking about. You still have to be fucking brilliant. And I only swear for that inference, like you have to be great to get these things. So it's not that Rosalie and Billie Eilish are not good enough. They're some of the best. Same with Kate Bush, one of the best, a cultural moment. But to give yourself a chance, you really have to take what we talk about on this show and put it practically. But at the same time, that is where the money is. Being honest, this is becoming, due to Callum's great influence, this is also becoming a music industry podcast because in the way I see it, philosophy, songwriting philosophy, if you want to call it that, songwriting unity, understanding it all comes down to that. So how can you make a living off doing what you love? Do it incredibly well and be incredible at understanding sync because a whole different approach to music. Some people are just doing composition sync. Um, I might even get Jack on one day to come and speak or Sam Bauer does an incredible job of these things. There are people that we can bring on specifically for that. But um, just a great point. Amazon, I think my mum, shout out mum, was telling me, Rob would know this cow. Shout out to your mum too. <laughs> Shout out mum. She's an absolute legend. She won't hear this. She does support me though. She's loving. Netflix and Amazon, I believe, have bought up like 80% of the film lots in London, uh, in, in the UK. Like they're, they're currently just battling to take over the industry. And there's a negative side you can see to that. But as an independent musician, if you can look on the positive side, because that's also a skill in life, seeing the opportunity, not just the negativity. There's a lot of people, a lot of series. Yes, we're seeing it. A change in quality, I think, in terms of consistency, because there's so much out there. That's just what happens. You can get yourself in there. You can find an income. If you're brilliant, if you're surgical, if you're serene in how well you work and how hard you work, and create opportunities for yourself. As Molly Ann is saying, you can find a living doing what you love and do really well what you love, and it can support other art. You, you can you can poo-poo Netflix, Amazon, whatever don't care, Paramount, all of them are coming out. You can see the way the world is going. But you, you, or you can be involved and really help people, really change people's lives. Like the people that wrote the themes for The Great Showman, Let It Go. Are they bad songwriters? Oh no, some of the best in the world. Some of the best in the world. That's why those things went big. So don't be cynical, be practical. And I think, unless you've got anything, Cal. Oh, well said, very well said. And I, I think also start small. Um, Ooh, would yeah. be another thing, you know, on, there are online syncs, like we spoke to Nathan Graves who runs Sync Vault. And so there are opportunities there as well. You know, you might not be able to get your music on movies or television shows just yet, but you can definitely upload it to a place like Sync Vault and get it on a small independent YouTube show. Do it. Um, people that are looking for, you know, they have a minor budget and they're only looking for something for, on a low, on a small budget. And that's how you can start to feed your music into these. You know, it might be a TikTok video, it might be a YouTube series, who knows? But head on to a place like Syncfold and you and set up a profile and you might find that you start generating an income through Sync that way. Great shout out as well, fellow Kiwi. If you guys remember Nathan, you remember how passionate and clever he is and the way that he does things. And that's a great point that Callum's brought up there. Find your level. It's like when people are looking for producers or <clears throat> songwriters or anything, I go, well, I know all levels of all budgets. What do you need? What are you looking for? Same with this. If you get on the right TikTok, it might pay you 50 quid. You just made 50 quid from your songwriting. That's good for your self-esteem. 
that video might get no views. doesn't matter. It might get a million. You might get more work. It, you have to start. And starting small is, is a wonderful perspective on that, I think, Callum. We'll get SyncVault to sponsor this question. This question thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give Nathan a call now. But um, maybe even guys like find out what Nathan's doing, like type in Nathan Graves online or LinkedIn. And that's a guy who makes things happen. And he's a wonderful person having been in a room with him for a short period of time or not. We're on Zoom. Can't remember. No, I was there. We were, yeah. In the you studio. were. Hilarious. Oh, that's right. You were on Zoom. It's weird, right? I felt like I was there. I guess I just, what a guy. So thank you, Emily, for the question. Thank you, Callum, for being precise and quoting Aristotle. That's made my day. Anything else, mate? Otherwise, we can let people go. Go and write. Go and take this unity and practicality and make some money and sync. Yeah. And look out for good prosody or unity opportunities in your songs as you're writing them. Look out everywhere in life. Goodbye. To find out more about us and to get in touch, please head over to I Wish I Knew That Pod on Instagram. And don't forget to join the conversation on our Facebook community. Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to I Wish I Knew That Pod at gmail.com. And we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode. I was getting sweated on.